Hello, funky listeners, and welcome back to Funk Radio, the start of the second decade of this show. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, essentially. Th- yeah, this is uh, your host, Peter. And this is your host, Kyle. And for those who didn't get the joke, uh, our previous episode was the one celebrating our 10-year anniversary. Um, so I suppose you could say that this is technically the beginning of year 11 and decade number two. Um, hello, listeners. So, Kyle. Yes. How you doing today? I'm pretty good. How are you? Good. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, so, Kyle, recently we... Um, I, I actually sent you a video um, called How Nickelback Became the Most Hated Band Ever by mm-hmm. someone named Sunny V2 on YouTube. Um, and essentially, uh, it's a pretty interesting video. We're not going to cover like the exact topic here in this episode, but um, it kind of covers the whole idea of how Nickelback kind of became famously hated in spite of or because of their popularity throughout the 2000s and into the 2010s. Um, and it's kind of an interesting concept in itself, but I kind of wanted to, instead of to basically just like, uh, copying that and making it an episode. I want I kind of wanted to step back and use that as kind of a jumping point of a larger discussion of essentially can the idea of can widespread popularity for a band or an artist basically be their own undoing and cause them to be hated, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, cuz I think I think the popular idea is well, if you become more popular, the more people love you, which is true. Um but then can you become so popular that you basically no one likes you anymore? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure that's been the case know. with a lot of bands, especially if their popularity also came along with sort of a softening of their style. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like I said, this episode is not going to be about Nickelback specifically, though we're probably going to use them as kind of a the main example here. Um, and as we think of other examples throughout the episode, I'm sure we'll bring them up. Um, but to kind of, <laughs> on that note, I do want to, I want to spend a minute on Nickelback just to kind of give our listeners a little bit more context as to what we're talking about. Um, so I went to the Wikipedia page because classic funk radio, right? Um, using that as a source, mm-hmm. um, so to give the listeners a little bit of context, Kyle, do you want to read this quote that I kind of pulled from their page that kind of addresses this? Uh, quote, Despite their commercial success, Nickelback has been the subject of numerous jokes and a vocal negative response from some audiences, some of which is attributed to the perceived derivative, repetitive, and formulaic nature of their music. In the 2010s, Nickelback became the subject of internet memes that were critical of their music, a status that the band came to embrace. In May 2013, the readers of Rolling Stone magazine named Nickelback the second worst band of the 1990s behind only Creed. I forgot about Creed until just now. <laughs> and the hatred just consumed your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think something to note here, and actually I told you earlier this Kyle, but I was, I almost got to a point when making the notes for this episode of being like, is this not even a worthwhile topic? Because the thing that really comes down to it with the Nickelback thing is that it basically just became a meme to hate them 
to the point of people hated them because it was popular to hate them. Yeah. And, you know, so does that, you could argue, like, does that kind of make this whole discussion pointless? Because, like, well, if it's just, if you just become a meme, then then whatever. Um, but I, I guess I kind of want to go beyond that and kind of think, like, I mean, I think becoming a meme, for better or worse, is just a reality of popular things today. Um, so we can't, I don't think we can completely cut that out of the discussion, but I don't want this discussion to necessarily be like, okay, so if your band becomes a meme, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's especially since memes are kind of locked into, you know, mid 2000s to now, it kind of discounts bands that became popular basically before the internet or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, with the idea that we've kind of established here, I, I kind of used, so that video that I referenced, um, that YouTube video, I kind of want, I kind of went through and pulled some quotes from that video kind of to, uh, how do I say this? Give us a couple of talking points essentially mm -hmm. throughout this discussion and lead us into questions that I came up with kind of based on those quotes that you and I can then discuss. Um, so for the first one, I'll set us up with a quote from the video. Um, they said the band's most popular song, how you remind me was crowned as the most po was crowned as the most played radio song of 2002. And by 2009, it was crowned as the most played radio song of the decade, having been spun on air over 1.2 million times. Just to give you an idea of how crazy that number is in 2002, there was never a given second on American radio how you remind me wasn't wasn't being played on any one station which is insane to think about over the course of a, uh, at least a year i guess it wasn't the decade it even just in the in the course of a year for that to be that consistent that's kind of insane the fact that that song was um, played literally every second for the entire year of 2002 is proof that the terrorists won <laughs> um so, yeah, and, and, you know, with this whole idea, I guess the question I want to launch this off with is, can a band be hated simply because they become so commonplace that people just get sick of it for that specific reason? You know, all other oh, things yeah. aside, can over being overplayed really be your downfall in a way? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case, though. I can, I can think of, like, three or four bands off the top of my head that I liked, but then they started to get overplayed on the radio because their new album, whatever happened to be really popular or they happened to have a really popular single to the point that I'm just like, okay, I'm sick of these guys. Uh, for example that comes to mind for me is 21 pilots used to like them, had a lot of good songs. And then they came out with that one song for the suicide squad movie. The first one, not the good one. And mm -hmm. that song was literally, I heard that song literally every time I turned on the radio, it, it seemed like. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm so tired of this song to the point that it made me not want to hear the band anymore. Right. So it's, it's kind of a catch 22 of like the goal of most bands is to become popular. Right. Mm -hmm. But then where do you strike a balance of like being popular enough that people, you know, keep thinking of you and you're top of mind but not quite to the point where people hate you for that yeah I, I think and maybe maybe the solution to that is you know staying top of mind and staying top of the charts if you will 
with a new song every so often, mm-hmm. not necessarily with the same song the whole year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what I've noticed with bands that um, I end up getting tired of is it's not. It's because usually, like, there will be one song that is just like an earworm. So radios will play that one song over and over and over, rather than, you know, maybe the band released two or three or four singles from their album, but all the stations decide, no, this is the song, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you're right. I think that's, I think that's more often a case of how bands end up getting hated is when like one particular song of theirs becomes the Mm. only single that the stations play. And some, and and a lot of times that's not the choice of the band. That's basically just the, the metrics telling the stations, Hey, this is popular. So only play this song. Yeah. And I feel like that this, a similar thing can happen with a specific song too. Even if people like a song can become very popular, you know, and <laughs> I mean, a song songs very frequently do become popular. Right. But, you know, I think it's not uncommon that a song becomes so popular that it becomes overplayed mm-hmm. and the people that go, I'm sick of this song, even if they don't necessarily hit the band for it long term, it may just be like, okay, we liked this song for the first four weeks you played it. Yeah. Especially but it's becoming kind of old. Especially if it starts to feel like that song is kind of inescapable. Like I was thinking about this, like, you know, boy bands in the nineties, I'm sure Backstreet Boys and Insane, their their shit got played incessantly, but it was mostly confined to, you know, pop stations and tween and girl targeted stations where you know, if you weren't part of that sort of demographic, you you obviously were aware of their existence, but you probably didn't constantly hear NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, with other bands like Nickelback or 21 Pilots, they're kind of that sort of perfect genre where they're just subsumed to be like, oh, every, you know, every 18 to, to 65-year-old male likes this band, so they end up getting <laughs> right. played throughout many different stations. <clears throat> Excuse me. As opposed to kind of being relegated to like, you know, pop stations and stuff. Right. Yeah, so I think you know, to cap off this one question is just I think being overplayed I think in itself and even like in the video about the Nickelback thing specifically, like there is a lot of different pieces to that story. It's, it wasn't any one thing. It wasn't Mm -hmm. simply that they were overplayed with this one song. It was a lot of other stuff. I won't get into all of it for sake of time here, but I think being overplayed is a, an important aspect to this idea Mm -hmm. that, you know, with other things in mind, this is one of the big things of people just get sick of hearing you. <laughs> mm-hmm, very true. Um, um, so, the do you want to read this quote from the video for this next thing, Kyle? Yeah. Uh, for listener choice? Yeah. Okay. Uh, quote, Well, these days we consume music by choosing what we want to listen to on YouTube or Spotify. This luxury didn't exist in 2002. Unless you had a specific CD, you were at the mercy of whatever radio decided to play. Uh, 
yeah, that's that's a really good point. Uh, and then I guess the the follow up we're gonna t- we're gonna kind of dive into is is a popular band less likely to be hated now in the age where we have a lot more control over the music that we listen to, as opposed to you know mid two thousands and even early twenty tens and earlier, um, mm-hmm. where streaming wasn't as big of a thing and you were kind of like like they said at the mercy of radio stations maybe pandora if you were lucky uh none of that stuff was really built into cars at that point um that's that's a good point because as we were talking about the last subject i was actually thinking about this about how it's probably harder for bands to become mercilessly hated by the populace because it's so much easier now to kind of cultivate your own personalized listening experience through mm-hmm. Spotify or Pan- or Pandora n- now being able to be light in cars or whatever or all the other different music streaming services that are out there so you I, I find for me personally I don't know if it's the same for you Peter that like really in the last eight years I've been so tuned out from like popular mu- and maybe this is just us getting older too but I've been so tuned mm. out to popular music that they'll talk about like oh like on on you know morning news or whatever oh so and so new pop artist released a new single and i'm just like who the who the hell is that i've never heard of them in my life and i think it's because well and it's oh go ahead yeah i mean i'm i'm 100 with you on that and I, I that is funny about the age thing i think that is actually part of it and we've kind of talked about how as you get older you become less in tune with popular music yeah. like that's just scientifically proven, but like the really the only time in my life where I ever like was subjected to the radio a lot was like being in the car really in the, in the early two thousands, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, with my mom or something. Um, and because really throughout my entire adult life, I've more or less either had like an iPod with music on it that I want or, uh, you know, like Spotify. Mm-hmm. So like I haven't, it's been, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, it's been probably about a decade that we haven't really been tuned into what's popular necessarily, at least in terms of like listening to the radio. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it is the age thing, but I think also Spotify and that kind of stuff really just kind of turned the music industry on its head um, to the point where for the first time in, you know, the better part of a hundred years, people didn't only have to listen to the radio now you know i don't want to discount things like uh you know cassette tapes or cds or whatever like people have had there's certainly their own option for oh yeah you know yeah. 50 60 years but i think in terms of it being readily available or convenient i guess you know especially when you're driving i mean the radio is historically the most convenient thing because it's kind of built into your car mm-hmm. and you don't have to you know, scrounge around for your CDs or whatever. Um, but in terms of a band being less likely to be hated, I I would almost argue that that's not necessarily impacted by Spotify because on the flip side of being in the modern era, if you want to call it that, is that memes on the internet have become more of a driving force of just popular culture in general. True. So I, I think not that it's necessarily, com- you know, uh, I, I think I'm kind of considering that as like a parallel concept to this of, 
yeah, the internet is more prolific and gives us streaming services, but the internet being more prolific also means a band can become hated overnight through a meme. I see what you're saying. Like, that's um, a good point because there's there's actually there's a handful of artists recently that like the only reason I even know their name is because the internet has ragged on them for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, and you know, memes can also make people more popular too. Like it's not only a negative thing necessarily. True. Um, but in this particular context, yeah. So in like, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit too off topic for this question. Um, I guess I also wanted to kind of pose the sub question to this of, you know, are, are we exaggerating this whole point that Spotify really made this idea obsolete? Like because people had CDs in 2002 or even tapes in 2002, honestly, like, you know, are we exaggerating that point? Like did people have enough alternative means of listening to music back then? I think, and we're we're kind of just in hindsight being like, oh, people didn't have the option, but like clearly we had the option at that time. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think the internet has made it easier to develop a sort of cons- uh, consensus opinion about a band, whereas before, yeah. maybe you only heard that a band was good or bad from your friends, or you heard them on the radio and you're like, oh, that's crap, and then you just you know turned it turned it off or switched the station. So, I think the internet has made it easier for bands to become both popular and and unpopular. But, yeah. like, at the same time, it's ma- it's never been easier to avoid th- those bands if you really want to. Right. Yeah, so I don't know. I, f- I feel like this aspect of it is pretty interesting because it, it kind of almost constrains it to the time period almost mm-hmm. or you know it's it at least introduces the possibility of that yeah um, yeah i don't know i find that kind of interesting I, I don't really have a clear answer for that but yeah it's i, I mean it's unless there's discussing. like data out there to co- quantify it i don't know unless someone says look at this graph <laughs> no one's gonna understand what i'm talking <laughs> about <laughs> like the five people that know that meme that, that was kind of a meme for a while, though. The look at this photograph. But look at this photograph yeah. being turned into other things, or just yeah, like, like they would Photoshop graph. something else into the frame. Oh, look at this photograph, and it would be yeah, like picture funny. of SpongeBob or something. I don't know. Okay, that's funny. Um, cool. So I guess going into the next question, then or the next concept, if you will. Um, uh, another quote from this video says. Um, fans were unhappy with Nickelback's perceived lack of originality. When you listen to Nickelback, you think a generic rock song, not pushing the envelope. Nickelback is too much of everything to be enough of something. They follow genre expectations too well, which is seen as, which is seen as empty imitation, but also not well enough, which is read as commercial tactics and as a lack of stable and sincere identity. All of that to say, um, Basically is, you know, a lot of the hatred for Nickelback basically became like, oh, they're too bland. Mm -hmm. They're too generic. Like, there's nothing that really sets them apart from anything Mm -hmm. else. Um, And I kind of want to go off of this idea of of more broadly, can a band be, is 
is it possible for a band to be too bland or generic? And, um, you know, it, or is that more of a concept that's more specific to genres like rock or, you know, metal or punk or something where the idea, the core idea of the genre is to kind of subvert expectations or being against I was the popular thing. I mean, maybe more so in the older days, more so than now, yeah, perhaps. I was going to say, um, that's, I think personally that the idea of quote generic band i think is more attributed to genres like rock that like you said are you're more expected to push the envelope like no one's ever said like oh this sounds like generic pop because everything is generic pop because that's what pop is right Um, and i mean i think maybe you could probably apply it to other genres like rap and stuff as well like there's half a dozen different like mumble rappers that are out there that are popular right now that honestly all sound the same to me. Um, right. But so yeah, you can, you can probably apply that to different genres other than just rock, but I think it's saved for more expressive genres where you're meant to push the envelope. You're meant to try new things, be experimental. Whereas the entire, concept of pop music is that it's popular music it's crafted to be popular right yeah um and you know some of this concept kind of bleeds into the next question we won't get into that quite yet um but i think part of this whole thing is like i don't know like can you be so like like you said, like you have to fit into a certain box in order to be pop- considered popular music. Mm-hmm. But is it possible to take that too far? I don't know. It's not kind of a hard answer to a hard question. It's to answer, it's I really. I, I hate to sound cliche, but it's really all about like the feel. Like it's 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 yeah. not always something you can accurately pinpoint, but you can tell when a band is authentic or when they're phoning it in, so to speak. A lot of times, and maybe it's. Maybe it's like because of the simplicity of this of the notes that they play. Maybe it's because a lot of their songs sound like each other. Um, but yeah, yeah, like there's just certain bands that you're like, oh, this band is just performatively, I guess pun and not intended, performatively doing this genre because it's popular or because it's easy to fit into this genre. I mean, it's it, it's like I was complaining yeah. to you before, like Nickelback slid into this genre of like what I call like country pop rock, where it's like rock, mm. but it's kind of twangy and country-ish too, because a lot of other bands like Creed or whatever that band, Hoopastank or whatever, uh, popped up around that same time. And it was like this weird subgenre of rock that was popular for like five years but then Nickelback just swept in and was like, we're going to be the most popular in this jo- new genre by being uh, too perfect about it, if that makes sense. Well, I, I think part of this idea comes from the idea that like, uh, you know, when we're talking about like the lack of originality and all that, it's almost like you play it so safe musically mm-hmm. that you don't do anything to kind of set yourself apart musically or even within your genre that you identify as it's like, 
you know, I, I can see other bands maybe being less popular in that genre being like, well, we're doing more to kind of push the boundary mm-hmm. musically, but why nobody knows who we are, but why is Nickelback getting all this attention when they're like not doing anything like that? And maybe you could argue that like by not pushing boundaries, you are staying safe and therefore becoming more popular for that reason. Yeah, maybe it's like by, I, I mean, that, I think there is some truth to that. I don't know if that's like a hundred percent true. No, but. I think, I think to some degree it's like by, by staying safe, you're continually ensuring that you have the maximum audience range of people that are going to like your music. Whereas, well, I mean, there's a spectrum. I mean, like if you're too experimental, then nobody's going to exactly. want to listen to you other than like five people. Exactly. And it, we've, we've kind of talked about this before where, whenever an artist that's really good, especially if they have like a really good freshman album, there's always that kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, where it's like if Mm. their second album sounds too much like their first, they get shit on. If they try to experiment too far in one direction, they get shit on. So it's like you're always going to... We have definitely criticized artists for both ways. (laughs) No, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm culpable of the same thing, but it's like you're never going to make everyone happy unless you stick to like a really base sound and and style that you know maybe you brought people into with like yeah but um well and not yeah not only within the genre or you know more broadly but also within your own catalog of music if it all sounds the same across the board then i guess you're not offending people who liked you at the beginning by changing and like sounding different later, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Here's a, here's an example that we could probably both speak to. Cause I think we both like them, but they're also extremely hated is, um, Coldplay, mm. right? Um, mm. Coldplay. Granted, I haven't listened to Coldplay in a long yeah, time, same. but yeah, I, I did like their music. Yeah. Their, their early stuff from like from the, the na- late nineties and the early two thousands was really good. And I, I, I dug yeah. it, but then as they got more and more and more popular, they kind of shifted away from that sort of cafe style, soft, mm. I don't know what you want to call it. Soft rock, I guess into more sort yeah. of poppy anthem rock, kind of like, you know, imagine, imagine dragon style stuff, I guess. Is what I can yeah, equate it to, yeah. um, and in doing so, they they garnered a lot bigger audience, but they lost a lot of their fans that liked them for their sort of more uh, muted sort of so, uh, what's the word uh, broken down style or simpler style, I guess. Well, it was definitely more stripped, stripped down. down I mean, like if you think of that, I think was Parachutes their first album. I think so. I want to say yeah, it was. I think so. Because, like, if you take a song from that versus, like, I mean, I mean, it's, they're probably still popular. I have no oh, idea. Oh, yeah. They just... But even something 10 years ago, if you take something compared to that, it's, like, night and day. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, you could. Because I feel like a decade ago or so is when they started to become more poppy, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and I'm not saying their music was bad necessarily, but I just became personally less interested. Yeah, in and that's, and, and that's kind of one of those scenarios where, like, as a band moves into a safer more popular genre they risk alienating their initial fans which is valid but again they're making millions of dollars so what the fuck do they care um but yeah no that that's i think coldplay is almost as hated as nickelback (laughs) in some respects Mm. um i know plenty of 
And maybe for that reason that there was a lot of people that they left behind essentially. Mm. Or which is, I guess, different from Nickelback. I would think. Or I think because I don't think Nickelback changed that much. Of yeah, no, it, it's it's kind of a tale of two bands. Nickelback didn't change at all. Coldplay changed too much, but their initial, yeah. their first popular album of Parachutes, I think, remained kind of indie sounding enough that their core fans were like, "Hey, this sounds good." But then as they moved more into the pop rock genre. They lost a lot of those fans that kind of saw them initially as an indie band. Well, I think you and I have even talked about this, like giving like an example of like Poolside, for example, as a band where they have, I mean, I guess only, I think it's only been about three albums over the last decade or so, but they have shown clear growth and wanting to try new things Mm -hmm. from album to album. And I think we have, or at least and, you know, I know I have, and I think even you have as well, if I remember correctly, of like, you know, at what point as a fan do you say, I appreciate what they're doing for themselves, but like, I don't want to listen to that anymore. I still like the original stuff too much. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think you can't, I don't, I personally don't um, fault Coldplay for taking the direction they did mm-hmm. because I, you know, objectively it made them more popular. Yeah. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily sellouts for that. Um, if you ask somebody else, they might have a completely different opinion, mm-hmm. even if they are more closely tuned into that whole story, I guess, than I am. Um, but I, you know, I think that certainly this whole idea kind of certainly plays in that. I think bringing up Coldplay was a really good comparison. Yeah, it's, it's, because I would say they're a similar level of popularity to Nickelback but have a very different trajectory. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. It's like they both ended up in the same place, but by two totally different paths. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. That's, that's interesting. That, that, I guess that was a good counterexample to Nickelback about how you can become hated for changing too much or you can become hated for... And I think part of Nickel... And never changing. I think part of Coldplay's hate is maybe, maybe the people that didn't know their early stuff but only heard they're sort of more popular anthem rock and was like, Ooh, this is shit. And they yeah. just assume, Oh, that's, that's all this band is. And never was, it was just a popular yeah. anthem, you know, rock band or pop rock band. Um, well, and you're going to get people who only know the early, the late stuff and then go to the early stuff. And are like, Oh, I don't like this. Yeah. Or you're going to get people who like both yeah. and they're just like, well, I like yeah, all of it. Very true. Very true. Um, so, but yeah, it's, it's just interesting how, uh, different different musical paths or different the evolution of your career i guess can you could still end up end up hated either way yeah but um like you said you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't i guess yeah a little bit um but yeah no that's that's kind of an interesting way to end that uh that part i guess do we want to jump to the last mm-hmm. one yeah sure do you want to read this quote from the yeah. video uh, and then I guess, yeah, the, the f- a final quote we have from the video to kind of speak to is, quote, in a Reddit thread, in, uh, attempting to discover how the band became so hated, one user wrote, quote, people hate Nickelback because they represent the idea that a record label can take any band, no matter how bad, and make them popular. The label can use clever PR and good advertising to make loads of money off a band that is just mediocre. People don't hate the band nearly as much as they hate the idea that the band represents. Um, yeah, I found that really interesting. Yeah, and, and Nickelback 
certainly isn't the first group that was kind of you know elevated to from mediocrity uh to stardom not because of their talent yeah um i mean you could argue that that has been a thing for decades oh yeah, easily. Um, really for as long as record labels have kind of been running the show which has been probably better part of 100 years mm. um but yeah, so I guess, you know, with this in mind, the question I kind of wanted to pose to this conversation is, as a band, can you avoid that kind of perception from people? I mean, it's almost like, how do you control that? Not not necessarily the fact that a record label is pushing you, but how can you avoid the perception I, of that being clear to your listeners? I think, I think it ties back into the previous topic of like the way that you convince people that you're not just a corporate shill of a PR firm is by changing mm-hmm. and, and, and evolving your sound and trying to experiment with forthcoming albums. Uh, if you just mm-hmm. end up reproducing the same one-trick pony, so to speak, album after album, then people are going to start questioning your integrity because it's like, why, why aren't you pushing the envelope? Why aren't you trying out new sounds and songs and styles and lyrics and it's like oh well it's either because you're not talented or because enough to do so or because the record label is insisting that you remain to the same formula that made them a lot of money which honestly i think is probably the case more often than not with these ultra popular bands Mm -hmm. is that like i don't want i mean like i'm gonna be honest i don't know a whole lot about Nickelback, you know, specific, you know, the specifics of their history. So, you know, it's possible that I don't want to say that they've never branched out or tried anything new. They probably have, honestly, or if nothing else, I can almost guarantee you that they've wanted to and probably just weren't able to because of their status in the music industry mm-hmm. and their label being like, no, you can't do that. Um, and that's, a, I feel like that's a pretty common thing at this level of popularity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because if you think about it, oftentimes that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where if the label insists that you don't change, eventually music and popular music is going to move on without you to a new style, to a new sound, genre, whatever. And because the label insisted that you not evolve, you get left behind. Mm. So it's like the labels are really shooting themselves in the foot that way. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to say like that popular music never breaks new ground or does new things because like music is just in general going to always evolve and always has. Mm. So, and you know, and I think you could say that some songs are popular or become popular because they broke new ground or because they tried something mm. new. Um or took a formula that and then kind of did something new with it. So I don't, I don't want to say like it never happens, but in general, the really experimental or kind of genre defining things, I feel like in general are not necessarily the most popular ones. Yeah. And it, historically, speaking, I think, I think part of it too is like, if you're a band at the forefront of a new evolving genre format, then you have a lot more runway to, experiment and kind of lead the way that that genre sounds whereas if you're kind of in the middle or at the tail end of, of the that 
cycle of music popularity, we'll call it, then mm. you're rising to popularity, but then the record label's like, oh, well, you know, you're popular because this band is popular, so just sound like this band, and then you'll be fine, and we'll make all the money. And right. then you end up falling into obscurity because that band has now moved on and experimented with other sounds or themselves fall yeah, out of popularity. Yeah. So if you're riding their tailcoats, you're falling with them as well. And I guess if we're going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna actually going to take this in a slight tangent here because like, if we're going to talk about like the life cycle of a genre or a style of music, if you will, over time, you know, can you say that, for example, like let's, let's use disco as an mm-hmm. example. So like, I want to say, I mean, you, you could argue that disco went into like 80, 81 or so. Yeah. Um, but like, and the peak of its popularity, I think was like around 77, 78, mm-hmm. 79. Um, but if you introduce a new, if a record label introduced a new disco band right at the end of that kind of time frame, right as the genre was about to dip, you know, could could you say that like, oh, people widely hated this band because they represented a genre that like people didn't like anymore? Um, which is really no fault of their own, but more so a record label trying to still capitalize on something that like clearly people have moved on from. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like do do bands end up sometimes becoming the poster child of a now unpopular genre simply due to bad timing? Yeah. Um, I can't think of any specific um, ones off the top, at least within the disco genre. No, yeah. But that is a good point. I guess it's meant to be more philosophical than like, it's, I can't think of a specific example either, but I wonder if that has been mm-hmm. a thing. But I'm, I, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that has been a case where like a band, due to just, you know, not timing the music market correctly, so to speak, um, yeah. you know, jumped into a genre that was falling out of popularity, so they never kind of caught the wave, so to speak. Mm-hmm. but no that's 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 interesting um yeah so i guess you know i and maybe we already covered this but i just want to say really quick so as part of the original question of this is like how do you deal with the idea of of avo- how do you how do you avoid the perception of being a corporate shill essentially um something i wanted to pose with that too is that like with the whole nickelback thing are people just overthinking it like is it such a meme to hate nickelback that i point? think so people are overthinking it to the point of, oh, there's just, they're just so corporate or is there validity to that statement? Cause I would, I, I would pose the, I mean, we kind of already covered this, but I, I would say that pretty much all popular music is puppeteered by big oh, yeah. label corporations. Oh, yeah. So like, you know, if you have some f- awareness of the music industry, like you kind of just know that no matter who mm-hmm. it is, you know, even if it's something you like, you kind of know in the back of your head, like, well, this was, kind of uh calculated in the boardrooms of sony music or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day um so it's like you know can you use this as a reason to hate a band i mean i guess you can i mean people do for Nickelback. i, I think um i think in, in in the case of nickelback and maybe a lot of bands especially in the the era of the internet it's kind of like one of the it's what, what's that phrase it's like if you repeat a lie enough it becomes truth I think it's like if you mm, repeat yeah. that a band is bad enough, then you end up convincing yourself that they're really bad, even though maybe they're just mediocre, but they're not the worst band in the world. Well, and the video even got into that point e- even beyond that and said that, like, 
it became such a widespread opinion that even people who never really had listened to Nickelback also hated the band just because they were like, oh, all I've ever heard about this band is that people hate them, so they must be Yeah, it, it, it became like, oh, you got to be in on the joke of Nickelback bad. Yeah. So even though, yeah, like you said, you never experienced them whatsoever, it's just popular to hate them. I'm sure that's been the case, especially in the modern era, for a lot of... Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect example I could think of is Kanye. I mean, personally, I don't like him, and for a lot of reasons outside of his music, but for a while, it became so popular to not like him that there's probably people that just never even listen to a single song of his that are just like, oh yeah, he sucks. But still feel strongly yeah. about him. I mean, I would use like Justin Bieber as an oh, example. Because yeah. I, I, honest to God, I can't sit here and tell you that I've listened to a Justin Bieber song all the mm-hmm. way through. Same. Because I haven't. Um, but think of how popular, I mean, maybe it's not as much anymore, but, you know, maybe I'm dating myself with this, but, like, think of how many years it was popular to say, like, how shit Justin Bieber was. Yeah, yeah, um, good point. But, like, I, I don't sit around listening to his music to, like, back up that argument. Exactly. You know I mean? It's like, you, you can only hate them if you've listened to every album. Uh, but, no, that Justin, I didn't even think about Justin Bieber. That's a perfect point. I like hated him for a long time for no reason other than he was just constantly in the news because he was popular yeah well i'm not gonna say like oh maybe if i listen to his music i would like him but like not really because i don't really want to listen i don't i want he's not a boy band i don't know what you would call him but um it's just not a genre of music i'm interested Mm -hmm. in and i think it kind of plays on a similar idea of being so prolific that like you get sick of hearing the name or yeah yeah whatever. i think i think he kind of fell into that same trap of like he was so overexposed not not so much the music itself it's just like you just couldn't escape him <laughs> it felt like yeah whether it was in the news for oh he did this thing with this other celebrity it's like i don't yeah, care exactly like, stop <laughs> um so yeah i think he kind of fell into that know. same trap as nickelback of just pure overexposure where people that had no business even listening to his music hated him because they were just like I'm tired of hearing his name yeah <laughs> who's Justice so. Beaver <laughs> um, so yeah I mean that's kind of all the stuff we had written down um, this has already gone on probably a little longer than I wanted yeah. it to but I think we've touched on some really interesting stuff here because like obviously I think over time on this show we have talked about like oh, this band is really hated for this reason or that reason. But I don't think we've really co- covered the concept of all the reasons playing together, whether or not they're justified, <laughs> um, that a band can be hated and potentially how to avoid it. I don't think, especially with something like a meme, I don't think you can really avoid it. You can kind of just let it mm-hmm. happen. Because like it's such a cultural force that once it happens, like there's no, you can't do anything to attempt to stop it. If anything, drawing attention to it is worse. It's, what do they call that? The Streisand effect or something? Um, I guess so. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's like you kind of just have to ride the, the wave of hate and either embrace it or like go into hiding. Yeah. Well, in Nickelback, in their case, I know it has been said that they've basically embraced it more or less, or at least they've accepted mm-hmm. it. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Anyway, I think that kind of covers our thoughts on this whole topic, but I found that really interesting. Yeah, actually. same so here, for sure. That was a good discussion. Mucho taco. Um, so, that's that's what our uh, show is, is branded as in uh, Mexico. Oh, Jesus. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, this has been... I can say whatever I want now because you're doing the editing. Oh Kyle. no, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, um, this has been your Nickelback loving host, Kyle. And this has been your believer, Peter. Um, uh, don't forget to uh, follow us wherever you're listening to us now. Obviously you found us somehow, so just keep doing that, I guess. Um, but don't forget to go to uh, getyourfunk.com and find all of our episodes there. Including, um, I don't know, whatever you, you can think of. Use the search bar and find something. Um, or listen to our uh, 10th anniversary episode from last time. Yeah. Whatever. Bye, we love you. Bye. 